Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Well, good morning again, everyone. Some of you I've seen. I've already talked to some of you, the rest of you. Hey, glad you're here. So happy to see you. Y'all ready this morning? Oh, wow. Wasn't it a great week last week? God moving in a powerful way and speaking to so many people and um, moving so many. You know, uh, some of you, God spoke to you during that time waiting and praying Focus, recapitalize upon it, all right? And one other thing, when God talks to you, when God talks to you and he gives you an encouragement or something, it's always good to make sure you back up and, and make sure you're hearing right. I talked to somebody recently, God talked to them. I have no doubt God talked to them. The problem is, though, they did something with it that was not what God wanted because they didn't align it with the scriptures. So you want to spend time with the scriptures, you want to make sure, because God's not going to talk one way one time and another way another time. It's always going to make sense, all right? He, he talks the same way. So anyway, all right. So um, we have something really, really cool going on. We have a group of people going to uh, Florida doing a mission trip, a quick mission trip to Florida to help clean up after the hurricane. And if you're going on that trip, would you just stand to your feet right now? You're leaving this weekend, right? Now when you guys are leaving? Thursday, all right. Can we pray for these guys as they go down? Can we pray that uh, God would give them a safe trip, help them be effective, and that the Holy Spirit would move through them and help other people through them? Wouldn't that be good? All right. Jesus, we thank you for people who are generous with their time. They're generous with their work, and they're generous with their bodies to, to make something positive happen in this world. And we pray that you would bless them in their generosity, that they would find a return back a thousandfold for the gifts they give. And but God, we pray that uh, they wouldn't just be personally blessed. We pray that every person that they encounter on this trip would be blessed, that they would get a lot of work done. They would also minister to and serve people who are in a hard time, that are, have needs, that have struggles. Would you help them, Lord, to have the right words, the right efforts, the right time, right moment? to make an impact in the world where they go. We pray you'd protect them, bless them, and use them. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys, for going. We're, thanks for representing us. Yeah. Now, my dad, he put his blood, sweat, and tears into his work. He was a great man, but a lousy chef. <laughs> Oh, come on, that's funny. <laughs> you know, I was going to tell, these are work jokes today. I was going to tell a carpentry joke, you know, I wanted to tell a carpentry joke, but none would work. <laughs> I nailed that. Yes, thank you, Robin. Really quick. All right. So I was reading this book recently called The Generosity Gene because actually we're just starting a new sermon series today. It's called Kingdom Builders, new sermon series today. Kingdom Builders, and, um, and I was reading this book, and I, you know, I try, to, I try to read. I read a lot. I'm one of those weirdos. I read a lot. I don't read fiction. 
I read a lot of nonfiction. My wife gets tired of me reading books and telling her what I'm thinking about and reading from the book. She's like, would you calm down? We had, we had that discussion about 10.30 last night. Anyway, um, all that to say, uh, in this reading, I ran across a story. Is it? About it. Um, so this guy's been at our church before. His name's Brian Campbell. You might remember him. Um, he's been here, and in this book, he said um, he planted a church back in uh, Dunwoody, Georgia, and um, there was a little girl. She was about ten years old, um, and was an only child when he met this little girl. She was young, and um, one day they had a missionary come to church. Her name was Sydney. And Sydney had been saving for an American Girl doll. You remember those? Anybody remember American Girl dolls? She had been saving her nickels, dimes, quarters, and dollar bills, and she had saved just over $40. Well, a missionary came to church, and the missionary said that they could rec- rescue a child from human trafficking for $40. And, and what do you think little 10-year-old Sydney did? Little 10-year-old Sydney took all of her savings for her American Girl doll, and she brought her savings, just, four, just over $40, and she gave it to the missionary and said, this should rescue one child. Wow. Now, this heart of Sydney didn't stop there because now Sydney is in grad school. She's a college student in grad school. She's a poor college student, according to her own words. And in her best end of a word, though, she's a proud young adult who accepts responsibility for making her own way. She's making her own way as she goes through college and trying not to go into debt, but doing it responsibly and working as she goes. But Sydney was, again, had her heart touched. In September of 2020, Sydney made a $50 pledge to missions. We're talking a girl that's struggling, eking to get by on her own, putting herself through college, made a $50 pledge to missions. But she came up with this great idea, and the idea was that she was going to make a, get a soap-making kit and sell the soap. So her idea to raise money was to buy the soap-making kit, make the soap, sell it, and she der- determined to give every cent above expenses to her missions goal. Her first attempt was a failure, so she had to go rebuy another soap-making kit. And she purchased it, and she was more successful that time. The first month, Sydney made $50 profit from her soap sales, and she fulfilled her missions pledge. But she didn't stop. She continued her soap business for missions, and the name of her business is Simple Suds by Sid. Last year, Sydney gave $1,753 to missions. Now, our friends chided her and said, you're the college student. You're putting yourself through college. You're living eking by, and you don't even go get a cup of coffee. Why don't you take some of that money you made and use it for your own personal needs or wants? And she said, no. Every penny I make is going to God. Now, I tell a story about a young adult like that. I tell a story about somebody, you know, we, we sort of, in our culture, we sort of badmouth young adults, saying they're spoiled, entitled. I, I hear it. But we got a girl right here that's a young adult in her 20s. And what's she doing? By the way, by the way, our missions trip to Florida is because young adult's heart was touched to do something about it. Not an old adult, young adult. Y'all got me? 
All right. So what do you think of, what are the words you would use to describe somebody like Sydney? Somebody give me a word to describe her. Selfless. What? Selfless, Selfless generous. Giving. Giving. Determined. Determined. Thoughtful. Thoughtful. Godly. Godly. What'd you say? Person of her word, integrity. Now, I think the Apostle Paul was probably thinking of some people like Sidney when he wrote our text today. And what I would like us to do is I would like us to think. By the way, I didn't hear one, I didn't hear selfish, I didn't hear jerk, I didn't hear any description like that of her. You know why? Because she's not that kind of person, is she? She's the kind of person that you would like to have in your life, right? Somebody like that? Well, good. Then I'm going to buzz over you today with the scripture, and we're going to talk about how you can be that kind of person in your life. Y'all ready? Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Ephesians 4, 28. What does it say? It says, anyone who has been stealing, anyone who has been stealing must do what? You're not supposed to steal anymore, right? Hmm. All right, but what must you do then? It must work doing something useful. Notice the word useful with your own hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. One more time. Can you all all read this out loud? I'm going to read it quick, all right? So I'm not going to pause this time. Would you all read it out loud with me? Because I think this is worth reading, all right? You ready? Here we go. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So that's what I want to talk to you about today is this passage. And I want to pull basically three character traits out of this passage that I think we need in our culture. I think that Sydney exemplifies, and I think that we as followers of Jesus should exemplify. Father, I pray that today you would speak to us and let our hearts be open to you. Would you cause us to be people like Sydney that have the integrity and character to be people of God in a world that says be selfish? Let us be unselfish, we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the first unselfish things you're going to do right now is there's somebody near you that nobody's treated them nice today. And I want you to give them a big smile and let them know that they are welcome, they are loved, and that this is a safe place for them to be them. So if you're online, hey, you are welcome, you are loved, this is a safe place for you. So this passage gives us three words to describe a life well lived. Three words to describe a life well lived. The first one is going to be integrity. Integrity. So integrity leads to respect. If you have integrity, it leads to respect. Have any, anybody ever met anybody they don't have integrity? Like they tell you they're going to be somewhere and they're not somewhere? The Bible says like a bad tooth or a lame foot, a person who's unreliant in times of trouble. You need them and they're there, never there. They'll tell you they're going to be there and they aren't. A person like that is not a person of integrity. Lame tooth, bad foot. Anybody ever like, like twist an ankle? I was in college. I played a lot of basketball. I twisted my ankles all the time. And if you got a twisted ankle and you put your weight down on that ankle, you're like, ow, right? 
I look over, I see Holly just had surgery. When you touch down, it hurts, right? It hurts, right? Bad foot, lame tooth. Anybody ever do this? Anybody ever have a bad tooth? And it's going bad. It's got a cavity. And you go and you bite something hard. And what's that shiver that goes through your entire body? You know what I'm talking about? All right. So there's a difference. And we understand there's a difference between people you can trust because they have integrity to back up what they say and what they promise. And people that they're unfaithful. I want to challenge you to be a person of integrity in your world. That nobody thinks of you. Ooh, it's like biting a corn kernel in a cavity. Nobody thinks of you that way. But if, if you're not a person of integrity, you're, wow, everywhere you go. Hmm. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. There's a, a, a reprimand here. There's a change that's required to become a person of integrity. You have to put away the things that have stolen your integrity. You have to put away the things that keep you from being a person that can be trusted. So we should agree, right? Shouldn't we agree in, you know, it's one of the big ten. Should we agree that stealing is just not a good activity for a person you want to trust? Would y'all agree with that? If, you, if you're stealing, stop it. Someone has to pay for the stolen items, right? You ever, you know, you go to a store. I've never shoplifted. Other people have, but I never have. Back in the day, I did. I did. Yeah, I did. You know what I noticed, though? I started paying attention that everybody else's prices were higher because of what I stole, because somebody's got to pray, pay for what's stolen. If you go steal a bunch of stuff from Dillard's, they're going to make sure they still make their profit, so they're going to jack up the price on everybody else. So if you're stealing, you might be getting it free, but everybody else is paying for you. I, I think there's a mentality in our culture that sort of promotes this, well, I deserve to get something for nothing. That's the reason people buy dollar chances to win one point whatever billion dollars in a lottery. Because, first of all, they're stupid. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day the chance of winning on like Wednesday or something was one in 250 million. And I said, who won? And they said, nobody. I said, no, the chance was not one in 250 million. It was zero in 250 million. <laughs> are, y'all, are y'all following me? You know, what, you know what the lottery is, by the way? It's a tax on people who are bad at math. So stores do it. Insurance, insurance. Did you know um, if you file an insurance claim, uh, because somebody hits you in a hit and run. Do you know that somehow the insurance company will raise rates on everybody to cover because they're not going to give you money for free that they're not making? But by the way, if you think insurance companies are in your best interest, just go downtown and look at every big building in downtown. They're all banks and insurance companies. Why are they banks and insurance companies? It's not because they're bad at math. It's because they're good at math and they're charging you. I'm not, I'm not belittling either one. Well, I need a bank. I need insurance. I'm just simply saying the cost does get passed on. And the reason I bring all this up is I want to talk about this because uh, do y'all remember the 20, what was it, 2020 elections when there was this dude named Andrew Yang? Does anybody remember Andrew Yang other than me? 
Andrew Yang, had, he ran on one proposal, and his proposal was that every person living, breathing in America should get $1,000 a month just because you are. So the government is going to take money out of nowhere and give you $1,000 a month. And I was asking some people, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because we're, we're going to pray for elections in just a second. I want to talk to you about some integrity here in how we vote. Because this Andrew Yang says, we'll give $1,000 to every person who lives. And I asked somebody from our church, where are we going to get this $1,000 a month? And they said, well, if Amazon just paid taxes, if Amazon just paid taxes, well, then it would cover that. So I did a little bit of math. Would y'all let me do a little bit of math here? All right, here we go. Here we go. Amazon, if if we were to give $1,000 a month for 12 months to 350 million people, that's $4.2 trillion a year. $4.2 $4.2 trillion a year. Last year, Amazon's total profits was $496 billion in total revenue. That's total revenue. That's not even profits. That's just how much they sold, $4.96 billion. That means it would take them nearly 10 years of total sales to pay just one year of benefit for every person to have $1,000 a month. Why do I tell you that? Because a lot of us, because we're greedy and entitled want somebody to give us something without working for it. And the last I heard, if you get something without working for it, it's called stealing. I just did. (laughs) So, why, why am I saying that? Maybe... You're jealous of Amazon because they make a lot of money, and the reason they like a lot of money is you're too lazy to go to the store. You buy from them, and then you complain they make money. What we need to understand in our culture, in our worlds, in our own personal thinking is, is that if you want something, work for it. You live in a country that you can... Basically, if you work hard enough and smart enough, you can have basically anything you want. What Paul is saying is, if you've been stealing, stop the stealer mentality. Stop the entitled money for nothing and chicks for free mentality. I'm sorry. You got to be old to get that one. Thank you, Dire Straits. So I took this time to talk to you about an entitlement attitude in our culture that's promoting stealing. It's taking things that aren't yours, like living on Instagram while you're supposed to be working. Did I say that out well? So, yeah, like living on Instagram while you're supposed to be working. That's stealing from your employer. Uh, That's stealing from you stealing from your integrity. So what I'd like to do is, because I've sort of brought some politics into it here, is I'd like to pray, because we got an election this week, right? What I'd like us to pray for, all right, y'all ready? Is that we, not everybody else in the world, we would vote informed and with a good conscience towards attitudes that will not take life, but give life. Would y'all be all right with that? 
All right, Jesus, I pray that you would raise up who you want to raise up and you would tear down who you want to tear down. That you would put in place who you want in place and you would take out those you do not. God, there are some people, they've been put in place, I believe, to punish us. We'll talk about that next week. But God, because <laughs> we're not honoring you and therefore, yeah, anyway. But God, I pray that our hearts would be returned to you so that times of refreshing and blessing would come from the Lord. And I pray that we would follow you and we would listen to you and we would vote as people in a culture that need to make an impact on our culture. And we would do so with integrity and not just party line. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. So um, stealing has two main sources. First is jealousy. I want what they have, regardless of what they did to get it. An entitlement, I deserve to have something, even if I don't work for it. And the scriptures speak clearly to these attitudes. Speaking to slaves, okay? Slaves. Let's, the Bible never promotes slavery. It never promotes it. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the seeds that undermine slavery, that caused the anti-slavery movement to happen, happened because of what happened in the New Testament, what was spoken in the New Testament. But Paul wasn't, Paul was a realist and he was talking to people who were in life situations. He's not telling everybody to quit your job and go become self-employed. He's telling you to be a good employee for your employer. And this is what Paul said in Titus chapter 2. He says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. And try to please them. If you've got a job to do, do it right. Not to talk back to them. You know, yeah, anyway, sorry. Not steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. To show that you can be trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. How you work, the attitude you have, either makes God look good or God look bad. So I came home from college. I was working at a place called Jerry Neal's Barbecue. It was back in the day when I was making $3.25 an hour. I had just given my heart to Christ, and um, I was working at Jerry Neal's Barbecue. It was a slow day. I was in the kitchen. I cooked all the beans and stuff, and I ran the smoker out back, cleaned up the smoker. I cleaned up all the dishes. That was my job is back in the kitchen taking care of everything. It was a barbecue, so there wasn't a lot of cooking. It was a lot of just, you know washing stuff and taking care of stuff. It was a slow day. It was a slow day. I'm making three and a quarter an hour. Tells you how long ago that was. I'm bored. So I looked up on the wall, and the wall was covered with gunk. So you know what I did? I got me a, a bucket of soap and water and got me a sponge, and I'm up on the wall just scrubbing the wall and singing to the music and the whole bit. And the owner of the three Jerry Neal stores walked through the door. And he saw me up on the, standing up there scrubbing the wall. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I looked up. The wall was dirty. So I just, I'm not busy. I thought I'd just clean the wall. He said, okay. And he walked right past. When I left work that day, the manager of our store came by and said to me, you got a quarter an hour raise. Why? Why? Because if you're not stealing from an employer, they like it. Didn't we just read if they can fully trust you? He knew that if I had a job to do, I'd get it done because when nobody was there, I was doing the job the right way. And what I want to tell you is this. God wants you to excel by being awesome everywhere you go to have a person of integrity. All right. Second thing in this passage, 
And uh, all right, productivity. Productivity leads to provision. Productivity. God designed you for productivity. Everybody hold up your hand. Do this right here. Do that. You know what you can do? You have something very rare. It's called opposable thumbs. Come back, give me a pen. Please, a pen, pen. Toss me a pen. Thank you. That's all right. You, you should be a quarterback for the Browns. <laughs> have you ever tried to write without using your thumb? How, I, yeah, I broke my thumb one time. Have you ever tried to write without it? Try it sometime. Try, just grab a pen. How about shoveling? Have you ever tried to shovel without grist? It, it won't happen. God designed you. And right here is proof of the design. The opposable thumb that he designed you to work. Therefore, our passage says this, that they must work doing something useful with your own hands. And I don't care whether it's typing in a computer or making a sales call. You're going, if you're making a sales call, you're going to use your hands a lot because people only trust you when your hands are, anyway. <laughs> Work is not punishment. Work is not punishment. God designed you to work. There is fulfillment in you when you work and you do a job well. Productivity is God's way of blessing you. Good, hard work makes you feel good about yourself. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it and to take care of it. God designed us to work. He designed us to work. And some people in our culture right now do not feel good about themselves because they spend their entire life working hard at not working. And if you're one of those people, stop it. Work with your hands. Do something productive. Have you ever mowed the grass? And when you mow the grass and you finish and you weed eat and you just freshly mulch and you got new mulch and you got new weed eat and weed eat and it's all mowed and the lines are perfectly straight and you look at that yard, come on, do you, do, you know what you have to do for about three minutes after you do a yard like that? You got to stand back and go, oh yeah, baby, uh-huh. Come here, honey, look at what I did. And now my wife, she'll drive right past and she won't notice. I'm like, do you see the lines? They're perfect, you know? Anybody ever been to Disney? Yeah. You've been to Disney, right? If you hadn't been to Disney, you've been to Cedar Point, right? Did you look at the shrubs when you pulled into Disney or Cedar Point? Do you notice that? Every, you, I guarantee you noticed it because you felt it. Every one, you felt it. Every one of those shrubs were perfectly manicured. Why were they perfectly manicured? Why didn't they just let them grow and just sort of hang out and grow wherever? Why not? Because there's a feeling of security that comes in your heart when you do a job well done. There's a feeling of satisfaction and a feeling of peace when you walk into a house that isn't a mess or a car that you can actually find the floorboard. <laughs> I know I'm preaching to you. I'm up in your business right now. But does your car scream, I'm a follower of Jesus? I'm not saying you have to be crazy, but I'm just saying, take care of your stuff. <laughs> Work with your hands. 
So you'll feel better about yourself. First Thessalonians 4.11, my life first. I'm going to quote it. I don't care what it says on the screen. This is the way I learned it. Make it your ambition. Make it your ambition to mind your own stinking business. And if stinking's not in the Greek, it should be. Mind your own business to, to, to lead a quiet life to mind your own business, to work hard with your hands so that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders and you will not be dependent on anyone. Work ethic. Why do we do this? Because the one who works eats. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says that if you don't work, you don't eat. We never gave allowances in our house. You picked up the dishes because you ate at the table. You carried out the trash because you had a roof. If I want to give you money, you can do something for it. I'll give you money or you can work extra for it. But in my house, I don't give you money for simply breathing. You do not get an allowance for breathing. You get an allowance if you do something extra. But you have household chores simply because you live there. You're a mean parent, you bet. That's the reason all my kids work. how my dad treated me, right? I think we need some of this. Can we have some fathering again in our culture? Can we have some men actually raise our children again, please? I'm not bad-mouthing ladies. I'm just simply saying, let's let some guys have a say in how they're raised too, all right? I'm all for ladies telling us to calm down, but I'm all for guys saying, could we do something about it? All right. Generosity. Here's the part. Paul said the reason we produce is so we can share. The reason we produce is so we can share. Didn't you learn this in preschool? Didn't you learn in preschool or kindergarten that you're supposed to share with one another? Yeah, sharing is caring. Thank you, yes. Remember the first problem, people were stealing because they needed something. But if you become a, that's why people steal, is because they think they need something. But if you become a worker that produces, you not only take care of your needs, but you get to share with those who really have injustice in their life and really need help. Because he said that they may have something to share with those in need. So you not only provide for yourself, but you can help others. So you're ready for this? Stealing comes from a poverty mentality. Stealing comes from, I don't have. You know what a poverty mentality is? I saw it really clear when I was in Haiti several years ago. If you look at Haiti on a map, uh, Google Earth, and you look at Dominican Republic right next door, Dominican Republic is not the richest country in the world, but it's not the poorest either. Haiti is like the top three, poorest. And if you look at Haiti, the, the landscape is bare. We were driving through Haiti, and I looked up, and there were no trees. And I said to the guy I was with, why are there no trees? He said, what they'll do is the people will go out, and they'll burn down the forest so they can pick up the charcoal that's left over so they can sell it and get enough food for the day. Poverty is, I never have enough, therefore I'm going to trash everything to get what I want now. Hold on. Poverty is I'll never have enough, so I'm going to trash my future so I can get something now. That sounds like student loans. Sounds like your car loan. Come on, are, are, are y'all, it definitely sounds like credit card loans. Are, are y'all following me? 
this is ways too practical. Last week we were all spiritual. This week I'm all practical. Ah, it's like whiplash. I came into church and he starts telling me I live better. Yeah. I want you to live better because I want you to live better. I want you to live better. You're not living good enough. Stop selling your future at 20% interest for a meal you already pooped out. How do you break poverty? How do you break the poverty mentality? Y'all ready for this? Work hard with your hands, and then here's how you break it. Give. Giving is the key to breaking the poverty mentality. The poverty mentality says, I need everything for me. I will never have enough. And when you force yourself to give, you are forcing yourself to say, I have enough and enough to share. It's the way you get rid of selfishness. It's the way you get rid of the poverty mentality. It's the way you break those chains that keep you in bondage. Force yourself to give. I didn't say give because you enjoyed it. You don't work because you enjoy it. You work because you need to eat. And you give because you need to be free. This is way too serious. So let me ask you a question. Are you rich? Hey, what would it make to make you feel rich? Come on, come on. A little margin, right? Wouldn't you like to have a little margin at the end of the month? If you, had, if you made a little bit more, you could have a little more margin. You'd feel better, right? Do you know what the Bible says about that? Scripture says this. You ready? Whoever loves money never has money enough. So how much is going to make you happy? If you get a raise, have you ever noticed you get a raise, but then you spend the raise and then you need another raise next year to make up for the money you spent last year? Am I talking to anybody that's alive in this room? This is, I know I'm up in your business, but I'm telling you, if you think a little bit more money is going to make you happy, it will never make you happy because money cannot satisfy the soul because that last word there, this too is meaningless. And that word is hobble. It's just like... It's like the breath that is gone. It's just gone. So if you think you're going to have enough, a little more money is going to be enough. It will never be enough. So can we, can we acknowledge in this room that we are rich? Can we acknowledge online, you are rich? Let me tell you why you're rich. You're so rich, you have a house. And most of the people in Northeast Ohio, most of the people in this room, you have a house for your car. A house, by the way, that's better than most of the people I saw when I was in Sierra Leone and Haiti. The house for your car is better than what they live in. You have HVAC. Nearly every person in this room has indoor heating, indoor cooling. So you control the environment in which you live. And you complain that you have nothing, but yet you have a controlled heat and air. The people in this room have indoor plumbing. I don't have time. You have indoor plumbing. But if you've ever gone outside, anybody, anybody ever used a real old-fashioned outhouse? Oh, my goodness. In January, in an outhouse, it is not fun. Thank God for indoor plumbing. I am happy to be rich. Most of us have multiple changes of clothes. You go to your closet, you don't ask, do, is, there, 
Is there physically anything to wear at this time? Do I have anything to wear? I got 50 options, but I don't have a thing to wear. I need to go get something new. I told my wife something like that today. I'm like, I'm stupid. I'm rich. By the way, we throw food away. Does anybody else, anybody in your house throw food away this week? Come on. Leftover scrap? Yeah. Yeah. I was at a place one time, the moms feed their kids mud pies because they have no food to eat, and they feed them mud pies. And they feed them mud pies so their stomach will be full and they won't cry all night. That's why we give to Convoy of Hope. That's one of the things we're going to talk about, is, is because I've been to places like that. I've looked at people like that. I've held a kid that was starving to death with a distended belly. He couldn't wear clothes because they hurt his body to be on him. And I held him, and I played with him. He was starving to death. He was like eight years old. That's not right when I'm throwing food away. Now, I'm not here to guilt you. That's not what I'm doing. I'm here to maybe change your mentality. You're not as poor as you think you are. You're actually rich. And if you're rich, where I learned this, my first missions trip, I went to Mexico. I, I, I went to visit a family that had 15 people living in a boxcar. There was a sheet down the middle of it dividing mom and dad's side to every, all the other, uh, what, 13 kids on the other side. And they, you could see through the walls, the cracks in the walls. My water froze at night outside in my jug. It was that cold. And these people lived in a boxcar with cracks in their walls that big. 15 people in a boxcar, and I came home and I cried. I remember crying like a baby, telling my mom and dad, I can't believe what I saw. I have to try to make an impact in this world. I have to share. So, generosity is like salt and mashed potatoes. A lot of you, you're living lives like mashed potatoes. Now, I love mashed potatoes. Me and my daughter, we even have a song around mashed potatoes. Yeah, we do. We walk in, Robin's making mashed potatoes. It's like, mashed potatoes! Mashed potatoes! Oh, sorry. Well, mashed potatoes, man, that's, that's a bomb, right? Anybody agree? I love mashed potatoes. If not, you haven't eaten my wife's mashed potatoes, and if she makes them, you can't have any because I don't share that good. <laughs> good. Anyway, but if you ever got mashed potatoes that don't have enough salt in them, I don't care what, I, I love mashed potatoes, but without salt in them, it's just bleh, right? It's like eating paste. But it got salt in it, now it's all right. Your life without giving, without sharing, is like mashed potatoes with no salt. And some of you, what you're missing in your life is you haven't recognized your own riches and you haven't recognized that God is calling you to share. So we have three types of giving here. I'm not going to, well, I'll give them to you real quick. We have three types of giving. We have need to, which is recognizing God's provision. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That's first, need to giving. And remember, where your treasure is, your heart is. Need to giving is when you tithe. We'll talk about that maybe next week. But what I want is not your money. What I want is your heart, and I want you to have a life that's like mashed potatoes with salt in it, Okay. I want you to have a real life. All right, second of all, missions is ought to giving. We talk about that all the time. Third is kingdom builders, which is get to giving. So everybody reach up in front of you and get one of these out of the car seat in front of, or a seat in front of you. Car seat. Woo. 
All right. I got time. This past year, we just ended Kingdom Builders 2022 this Sunday. It just ended. Kingdom Builders 2022. This past year, I want to tell you that we as a church gave away $138,000 plus. We gave it away. That's get to fun money. Now, next week, we'll talk about three different buckets, but I want to talk to you about what we did with Kingdom Builders last year so we can celebrate, okay? Harvest Hands and Dine With Us, we fed people locally. We, um, we did a, a, a project, two different projects here at the church for a few thousand dollars. We supported our foster care kids. Every kid in Lorraine County who's in the foster system got a card and gift cards from us. We had to fight through some problems to make that happen. We did Harvest Palooza out of it. Convoy of Hope, we gave $20,000 out of our one day to change the world offering. We gave $20,000 day one. And then we wound up giving another $10,000 to Ukraine relief later on. So we wound up giving $30,000 to help people who were in need through Convoy of Hope last year. Isn't that pretty cool? Um, We helped our children's wing about half of the price of the new carpet over there came out of Kingdom Builders. The other half we took out of general fund because we want to be good stewards and good managers. It was one of our projects. Um, we gave to a project in Asia for the, uh, for a, I think it was a Bible college. We gave to Ecuador to a Bible college. We gave rural compassion. We helped a pastor get trained on how to reach his community. We gave some benevolence to uh, a missionary. We gave Ukraine relief at the tune of $10,000. A light for the lost. We gave $2,500 to light for the lost. We help a missionary bring their kids home. Uh, We just generously decided to bring a a missionary kid from India, the Renes. We took their their kid and we gave them a flight to get home. Not one kid, two kids. Meeting Place Church in Cleveland, we gave them money. Fire Bible, we gave them $5,000, put Bibles in the hands of people that don't have a Bible in their language. We gave, uh, uh, helped build the campground for, are you guys getting that we gave some money away? Every single one of these deacon approved, and, and there's no money spent out of this unless the deacon see it. And the whole point is this, is that this fund called Kingdom Builders, this is our fund money. We get to celebrate and support projects like this. It's fun. So you know what we're going to do here in a couple weeks? Well, you're holding in your hand. We got some projects for this upcoming year. And what we're going to do this year is Convoy of Hope. So a majority of what comes in are one day to change the world offering, which will be in two weeks, not next Sunday, but the next Sunday. What is that? What date is that? I, I don't know. November something. November 20th, we're going to do a one day to change the world offering. We'll talk about that in just a second. But we're going to give to Convoy of Hope. What Convoy of Hope does, it helps people in crisis and need. Also, they feed over 100,000 kids a day. They're shooting for a million. I think they're up to about 300,000 right now. They're shooting for a million kids to feed every day, and that's what we'll do. We'll give the Convoy of Hope that feeds kids. You'll see some of the stories in the next couple of weeks. Sat 7, there's a Muslim outreach that's reaching into countries that missionaries can't go into, and they're doing it. One of our AG missionaries came off the field because of some health reasons, and he is working with Sat 7, and these are people that are reaching into Muslim countries, and people are getting saved left and right through this satellite outreach. So we're going to come alongside them, and we're going to help them build a new television production studio, outdoor playground for our kids out here. 
Every day, preschool kids come here and they're playing on this playground. It's old. It's 20 years old. It needs to be replaced. We're going to replace it. Um, we'll probably, that's going to be one of those projects we'll divide between general fund. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Heartreach, um, which is in Youngstown. It's an inner city outreach to kids in Youngstown inner city. And that's where our kids went last year. The, the um, fifth graders went and they did a trip there, a missions trip there. And we saw the need and we came back and we're going to support them. Fire Bible to Myanmar. We have an opportunity to put the hands of the Bible in people in Myanmar that do not have the Bible in their home language. We get a chance to do that. Um, Builders International. We're going to build a. Um, we're going to help build a Bible college in Nicaragua, uh, and then in next December 28th, we're going to take a team from our church and go down and help them build it. Uh, foster care. We're going to put gifts in every single foster child in Lorain County. We're going to reach out to every kid in Lorain County in the foster system, and we're going to give them a message of love and hope. Uh, local outreach like Harvest Hands, Dine With Us, Harvest Blues, and things like that. And then, of course, we'll have money left over, so we get to do the crazy projects that come up as they come up. Now, why am I telling you this? Because this is get-to-fund money. By the way, when I go into a store and they ask me, do you want to round up? My answer is always no. Do you know why I don't want to round up? Because the, pro the charity they're rounding up to there takes about 60 to 70% of the dollars that they get to fund the, um, what do they call it, administrative costs of giving 30% to their charity. The dollars you give here, we're giving them to projects that go 100% where they're going. I don't round up, I don't need to, I, I have no guilt. I give every month to kingdom builders. I give to missions. I tithe and beyond tithe. I do it. Why? Because I want to be generous. I work so I got something to share. I want to, I want to kill that greed within me. I want to live with integrity. This is the life I want to live. This is the life I want you to live. So what I want you to do over the next couple of weeks, <clears throat> two things, two questions, two asks. Number one, would you begin talking to God about becoming a tither? A percentage giver. Percentage of your income intentionally set aside first thing to tithe. That's first. We'll talk about that next week. Then the second thing I want you to do is I want you to ask God what you should do to give some fun money so we can make an impact on the world. Okay? Do you know why you tithe? Because you need to. You know why you give to Kingdom Builders? Because you get to. Right? And if you're throwing food away, you got something to give. If you got more than one change of clothes, you got something to give. You got a house free car, you got something to give. If you buy a $5 coffee, you definitely got something to give. For $6.33, you can get one drink a day every day at Circle K. <laughs> Advertisements, okay, come on. No, I can't. <laughs> there you go. <He's laughs> now, hey, listen, 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 listen. I, I want to remove the heaviness. I want to tell you there's joy here. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. I love God. I love people. It is a privilege to get to God and give to God. It is a privilege to get to give to people. And if you view it any other way, then maybe you still have a poverty mentality and you need to kill that thing. 
By the way, what did Jesus say? One final thing Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is what? More blessed. Now, I like more better, and I like more blessed. I like more best. I, blessed isn't good enough. It's more blessed. And that's what I want for you. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to communion. We're going to celebrate communion here. So, um, oh my goodness, that took me longer than I was expecting. I'm sorry, everyone. If you need a communion element, Doug's got one for you. Listen, if, you, um, if you're in the room today and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, today would be a really good day to make him your Savior. Today would be a really good day to say, okay, God, I'm all in. I want to live this mashed potato with salt life. Enough living without salt. Come on. Let, Jesus said, you are the salt of the world. Come on. Can we start living with a little salt? Can we start enjoying our life a little bit? Could we start being the blessed people God called us to be? So Jesus, right now, if there's someone in this room and they have not yet decided to follow you, I pray in this moment right now, as we pray this prayer, that the blood of Jesus that cleanses and covers from all sin right now would be washing across this room. And this person that has not confessed you as Lord right now in this moment, they would just say, Jesus, be my Lord. And right now, would you come in and sweep over every heart in this place, forgive sins, wash them, make them new, give them your life, give them your hope. And God, give them some salt so that their mashed potato life is awesome. And give them some gravy on top too because we want more better in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So there's a reason we receive communion today when we start something big because we need to be in unity. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this whenever you eat this bread in remembrance of me. We want to remember today, Jesus, that you sacrificed your life, your body on the cross. You gave your life. You gave your life. Let us follow your example. Let us be a people who give our lives as well. Could we partake of the bread together? After supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, sometimes the blessings of God are about as hard to get open as this cup of... Are y'all with me? You ever feel that way? You know what, devil? Oh, what did she just do? Hold on, wait, wait. What did she just do? Shared. Jesus says, you shared your blood for us for a new covenant to give us a more better life. Let us get the attitude of sharing. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Let's partake. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing this song. This will be our dismissal. Let's go ahead and sing this like we mean it.